0: Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kits.
1: I thought he was really fascinating. He continued that kind of exterior that we've known Kirk Cousins for, but you've got a glimpse into how much work he puts in to be as good as he is. Unlike baseball, where the game is so relatively simple and relatively static, football is way too complicated for that to happen. You're never going to solve it with analytics.
0: You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett, Jay Nelson, back in studio with me. We've got producer Eric Davidson here. And uh, we'll be welcoming Gabe back very soon after he is off maternity leave, and we'll be welcoming the players next week. Jay, the time has arrived.
2: We are standing on the doorstep waiting <laughs> for the door to open to the actual season yes. kicking in. I know that there's a lot of us behind the scenes who've been trying to cross everything off our list as fast as we can because we know what's about to hit, but... Um, I think everyone's just excited for our training camp actually officially kicking off here in the next couple of weeks.
0: I know I am. If you haven't gotten your tickets, make sure you do so because everything kicks off on Saturday with back together Saturday. It should be a great time out there. I've been, I did, a, I gave someone a tour of the facility the other day, someone that we work with with the NFL Network, and um, we went out to the practice field to check it out. And they were already building all the bleachers and putting everything in to make sure the tents there and all that kind of stuff. So. They're getting ready for you. We're getting ready for you. We hope to see you guys out there. Um, But it was a really exciting week for us, despite just kind of lying and waiting for training camp to start because the Vikings revealed that they will be wearing their classic uniforms, which is a throwback spinoff of the 60s and 70s jerseys or uniforms that this team wore. And that will be for the season opener. And honestly, it looked pretty cool. I
2: think it's going to be great. I saw a lot of positive reviews online. People were really excited. They were trying to figure out what version of the jersey for the throwbacks we were going to do at some point with all the rumblings that were going on. Um, I think their response and even just the look of it in general is amazing. I really do like them. I think it reminds me of the jersey that I had when I was a little kid. Um, And so seeing all of kind of our modern guys and and. KJ and Hawkinson and CJ Ham and Harrison Smith and those guys kind of showing you what it's going to look like and knowing that there's been a bunch of other teams that have in recent time uh, announced theirs as well. I think the, the they hit a home run with this thing. And
1: yeah, and look I'm great. looking
2: forward to actually seeing them out there week one uh, to start the season off.
0: For sure. The pants have the stripes on the side that are from like the first 45 seasons. You've got the block lettering, outlining the goal, which looks so good on the purple the just the old school numbers, not like the like we've got, I think, like we call it skull font right mm-hmm. now in the numbers. So you have the black numbers, um, the gray face masks on the purple helmet with the old school horn. I mean, it's just it really is like they paid attention to like every little detail they could.
2: I love the, te- the, the detail of the gray face mask. You know, that was something I even saw people when they were hinting, saying, I wonder if they're going to do gray face mask and even the subtle nature. But for the people that caught it. The horn just being the old throwback look of the decal with the horn as well. Um, you know, the only thing they're missing is kind of the glossy look of the helmet. But this is the I don't modern, know if you'll
0: ever get that's that, the right. Thing, it's the modern look of the helmet
2: <laughs> and stuff, and the fact that this is going to be week one. Um, you know, they're going to use those helmets the rest of the season. To me. Everything, the detail and everything they put into it, and everybody that was involved in it should be really proud of it because I think it's going to look really cool. And I think they're going to sell a ton of them, too, because there's going to be a lot of fans that want to have this kind of retro look, especially as clean as they turned out.
0: Yeah, they are on sale right now if you haven't pictures up yet. So you can visit any of the team stores online or in person. You'll be able to start picking up some of those old school classics that are coming out that the Vikings will be wearing slated for just the season opener as of right now. There may be an option to wear it down the line, but as of right now, it's only for the season opener. So It'd
2: be if you're
0: billing, you'll be able to see it. Yeah. Who yeah, which I'm really excited about that we get to open up at home this year as well. Someone who's gonna be looking mighty good in that old school jersey is Justin Jefferson. And Jay, I wrote in here that we would be talking about a few storylines that have been surrounding him. Recently, but I really feel like that's what we've been doing pretty much every week. Like it's the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I don't want this to turn into the Justin Jefferson (laughs) podcast, but sometimes it feels that way. And so I dubbed it the summer of Justin Jefferson because it really feels like he's in the news doing something or someone's writing about him like every
2: single week. And and it's undeniable at this point that he is becoming Very quickly, one of the faces of the entire NFL. Um, So it's great to see him not only getting the recognition that he's earned over the first three seasons. Everyone's hyping up his fourth season coming up here. There's a lot of question marks around a contract and all that kind of stuff. And at the same point, he's out living his life, kind of enjoying his best life. And it just feels like across the board, everything has been very positive this summer. And that's great to see. Just need to keep it going into the season with a lot of good vibes going in and just hopefully he continues to tear the league up like yeah. he has over the first three seasons.
0: Yeah, I saw a friend of the podcast, Brad Spielberger. He recently went on NFL Network and was talking about records he would see get broken this year. And he predicts that, uh, that Justin Jefferson will become the first wide receiver in NFL history – with three seasons of sixteen hundred plus yards. That's insane. So no receivers ever done that, let alone three in a row, yeah. which is what he would be doing.
2: And I was looking earlier, I believe there was a stat this off season that said he's 175 yards away from breaking five thousand. And the deal is there's only two other players that have by within their fifties of games. So I think it was like fifty six and fifty five games or fifty four games. Those two players were Odell Beckham Jr. and Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Justin is currently 175 yards away from hitting that, and he's only at 50 games in his career. So, like, he is on a historic pace. We all know this. We've seen all the stats. And so, for something like this, for him to predict that, I mean, why wouldn't you say that at this point? I know Justin keeps putting every year it's like 1,600, 1,800, 2,000 yards. Whatever it is for him, he just keeps setting those goals and feels like he just keeps hitting them year after year. So. He is going to be the leader of that room. He's going to be the leader of, you know, the one of the, the main leaders of the offense on this team. And um, I look forward to seeing what he's able to do here going into year four.
0: For sure. Well, ESPN released the NFL's top receivers per execs, scouts, coaches. They did like a poll of more than 80 People, I think Matt Bowen um has was also going through like tape and film and comments and things like that so they were doing this comprehensive lesson Justin number one rightfully so rightfully so best receiver in the league but what I found the most interesting is that they they have the highest ranking that the player would have been the top 10 and then they have the lowest ranking a player in. someone wrote that he was the <laughs> seventh best receiver in
2: uh-huh. the league uh-huh Yes. Who
0: are the six—what?
2: I think this is a, a, a coach or an exec who's tired of getting burnt by who him on wearing, an annual basis.
0: Someone who might o- be wearing green and gold. Or
2: somebody who is mad that they didn't draft him in the first place. So, someone
0: who might be coaching for the Eagles.
2: It's one of those things where if you think about, you know, Randy Moss falling the way that he did in the draft, and then the Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers rude the day that that happened. Um, Justin, I think, is probably in a similar boat at this point That's where fair. he is just— Absolutely torturing people, and I, I, I thought it was funny just even to see the reaction by <laughs> other pundits or even people online saying, "How in the heck can you find six other Petty people?" That are better, but it's like, listen, unless you're, I don't know what your mat- metric you're looking at at this point to uh, get the seven, but yeah, hey, I think there's sometimes. There's sometimes it's kinda like the old uh, Dark Knight quote. There's just some people that want to see the world burn and there was somebody <laughs> who wanted to see seven and just watch everybody But then, then you're out also online. thinking
0: you're like, Well, maybe they just did that so they could all talk about it and react. There like you go. what's all the what's all the pull, pulling the strings and behind the scenes? Uh huh.
2: Yeah, you gotta you, know? you gotta find a talker somehow. And so you the do. fact that he was right at seven, I I I don't understand it, but you know. God bless you for uh, deciding that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you're, you're not taking him number one in your fantasy draft. If you're ranking him number seven and that's the I
0: mean, right? Like he's, (laughs) he is, we talked to charge last week. He's literally the consensus number one going in, uh, in fantasy football drafts right now.
2: Yeah. And I know for those guys, they're like, I don't really care about fantasy football, but at the same point, the fact that you put him at seven, I, I, I would be very interested to have a cocktail with you and have you explain why you think he is the seventh best wide receiver at this point. Uh, I, again, just keep shattering records, and that number is going to quickly go well They'll speak for themselves, that right? Is correct.
0: Well, ESPN did do top 10 for most of the positions, and safeties was one of them. And surprisingly missing was Harrison Smith. How yeah. does that make you feel?
2: Uh, it blows my mind a little right? bit. I just He has been quietly one of the consensus players that I go, how this guy is not going to be in Canton at some point blows my mind. I truly feel that in a Brian Flores defense that we're going to – Flores is somebody who always likes to take those kind of players and just turn them loose to create chaos. He's always done that in the past. He's been trusted to do that. He is a 12-year a veteran in this league. He understands what his role is going to be. And I think that it, for people that haven't been paying attention to what he does quietly – um, the fact that you don't have him in the top 10 blows my mind. And well, and he I, wasn't
0: even on the honorable mentions,
2: it, which is nuts. And no and, one gave him a vote, and, which is nuts because as dumb as this statement is going to, to sound that I'm going to say, <laughs> if you go through and you look even at like it, that came out in the exact same day, the Madden ratings came out and he was listed like number three or number nine, overall number three in other categories and stuff. People understand when they watch, like you talk to other people on other teams or you see even when they do the top 100 players in the NFL and his name comes up and the amount of people on other teams, players that are like, this guy is the problem. This is the this is the guy you have to be careful of. And I saw even some comparisons of him and, and other top players like Troy Polamalu and some of these other guys in their career of what they've done. And they're like, this guy quietly has been in dominant safety in the NFL his entire career. And a lot of people just do not give him the credit that he deserves. So does it surprise me. Not necessarily. Yeah. All I really want is for him to go out and do what he's exactly. done his entire career this season and I think uh, he's definitely going to get the recognition from yeah, the rest I mean, of the league. Yeah,
0: I mean, I definitely think that, like, the drop-off in defense this season probably had a lot to do with what people were, w- what safeties were top on their mind. Sure. And, and numbers are numbers when it comes to, like, certain positions, especially safety. Like, just because he's his numbers may have dropped off doesn't mean it, it wasn't like the contributions that he makes from like the mental side of things, being like the way that he sets everyone up from, from his vantage point, the way he sets up, the way he affects the quarterback, the way that he affects the pressure and the play calling for the quarterback. And so, I don't know. I think there's so many other things that go into that that maybe people aren't cognizant of.
2: He's essentially one of seven people on the back end and he cannot play every single position. And all I would say is, if Harrison Smith was out for an extended period of time as as bad as the season went last year for that defense, I think it would have been a whole lot more noticeable without him. So it, it you remove him from that defense, especially last season, and I think things are way worse than it would have been. So a guy like Harrison's dependable. He's somebody that we've relied on in, in purple his entire career. And um, does it surprise me again? No. But uh, I think the guy's going to play like he always has and speak for itself.
0: Exactly. I'm pretty sure that if we told him this happened, he probably would also not even care.
2: <laughs> He'd just give you a smirk and say, cool, I'm coming to camp next week. So, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. See you there. See you there. Got to go get my golf game in that I'm coming to camp. <laughs> um, no, but uh, we we do have a really um, special guest for the podcast this week. He is the lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus, Sam Monson. And... Um, we we noticed that he's he's irish which i we we were looking up we we're like why do, something sounds like he's got a specific accent and we couldn't put our finger on it and he's irish so if you hear that maybe maybe you'll notice it more when when you listen to this
2: yeah sam's been great and yeah. uh, it, it's one of those things that if you just read through everything that he does you can tell that he really cares about his craft and what he does and he, he really pulls some good information out so getting a guy like sam on the show is really fun and i think uh, the fans are really going to enjoy it here with his interview.
0: And now, welcoming into the Minnesota Vikings podcast, we have Pro Football Focus's lead NFL analyst, Sam Monson. You can follow him at PFF underscore Sam. Sam, we're so excited to have you here for the first time on the MVP.
1: Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having me,
0: Jay. We've got we've got a lot of questions for Sam because uh, recently you've been working on your top fifty best player list. And Justin Jefferson out today says he's number 11. You know, my question for you, Sam, first off is why didn't he crack the top 10?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and it's a fair question. (laughs) And and when we were drawing up this list, and it's it's not just me that was doing this. We had um, a group of people at PFF. We all sat around in a a meeting and, and came up with these rankings, obviously using all the data that we have and those kinds of things as a starting point. But we looked at this list and we started sort of from the top down. Um, and one of the things that we were saying at that point is, okay, we have 12 guys that belong in a top 10 who misses out? And that's kind of what, what the reality was is we have this very key and clear group, I think of 12 guys that are as good as it gets, uh, at various different positions and are the clear elite, you know, class of the class in the NFL. But, By definition, therefore, two of those guys ends up missing a top 10 and look like you've been snubbed or we think that those guys are terrible or, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's all negative. But these are all amazing players, and I think that certainly Justin Jefferson belongs in that top tier with those guys. Uh, Unfortunately, he was just a guy I think that ends up missing out a little bit. Sam,
2: do you feel the pressure at all as you're going through knowing that no matter what you put out there, there's going to be either a fan base or a chunk of people that are going to find a way to, to kind of criticize you guys for what your decision is on this?
1: <laughs> a little bit, but I think it's a good thing in a way because it makes you, you know, as long as you come to a decision and are, you are aware that you're gonna get pushback over it, as long as you're happy that it's justified, you know, or that you can construct the argument you believe in it and it's simply something that are, is going to upset people, I think that's fine. But I think it also makes you kind of run that conversation in your head, you know, and and think about it and go, is this really fair or is it just creating a story for no reason? Um, And as long as you've come to the conclusion that it's a legitimate decision, it should be this way, just knowing that people are going to be upset by it, I don't think is is a deal breaker. But I think it's a good thing because it makes you have that conversation before you're doing these things. Yeah,
0: I know. We love to see these kinds of things because we're in the... You know, silence of off season. It feels so quiet around here. We have, you know, we kind of talk about the same things over and over again. So it's nice to hear what other people see uh, about our team, about the Vikings and where they rank, JJ. Um, in fact, earlier in this podcast, we were talking about the summer of Justin Jefferson because it really feels like after he has shattered records and is approaching, you know, his fourth season in the NFL, contract negotiations, just how we're so lucky to be able to be around a guy like that, someone who is becoming the face of the NFL. So, where we appreciate these lists, it's, it's always good conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they are fun things to do in the offseason. The the PFF fifty, yeah. the PFF um, top one hundred one that we we do and that we've done for a long time. Like ultimately, PFF at its core is you know it's a player rankings website. It's it's being able to try and quantify and then put some information behind these discussions that have always been had and they've always been some of the, the most fun and most popular things that we've done.
2: When it comes to doing that, you know, the year after year and how things change as far as the importance of analytics at this point, whether it's, you know, internally for teams or even for you guys as, a, as an organization, how have you seen that kind of evolve over the years and just how people are utilizing it? And then how do you guys kind of freshen it up year to year in order to make sure you're trying to be as accurate as possible?
1: Well, I think overall the the use of analytics, the level of sophistication in the discussion, it's deepened. It's gotten bigger. Um, it's gotten more sophisticated every year. People understand a lot of these complex data points. And whereas before, you know, if you suggested that sacks weren't the be all and end all of a pass rusher, it was it was crazy. You know, how could it not be sacks? That's what everybody's trying to do. And now everyone clearly. You know, understands that pressure is important and a pressure rate is important, and, and all these various different things. So, I think the the just the level of discussion over the last ten, fifteen years has gotten immeasurably more sophisticated and and better because of that. The quality has been raised, um, and I think that makes it more interesting. And for us, it's a case of just consistently working through all these this data to try and find out what is the most meaningful piece of information because unlike baseball where the game is so relatively simple and relatively static, you could kind of solve it if you like, quote unquote, with, with analytics, you got to a point where you kind of had it dialed in and you knew what you were targeting and you knew what the most important thing was and and all this kind of thing. Football is way too complicated for that to happen. You're never going to solve it with analytics. There's never going to be one rubric that uh, gives you all the answers and this is all we need to do is target this, we, it's, it's always going to be open to interpretation. And so consistently trying to work out how to interpret it the best, how to figure out what the most uh, meaningful piece of information is and how to juggle the various elements that I think is where it gets really interesting. Glad, God bless the internet, right?
2: I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember
2: back in the day of having to kind of parse through, you know, articles within magazines or even in newspapers and stuff and they're trying to break this kind of stuff down. But now it's literally because of of sites like yours and stuff too, you can go through and kind of do your own research and try to break it down your own way and try to figure it out, whether it's, you know, writing articles or fantasy football or whatever else it is, it's just having that data and and all that kind of information at your fingertips you can kind of you know pick what you want and and go from there so it's nice when you have you know guys like yourself that are able to kind of pick through that stuff and give your professional opinion on it
1: yeah and not just that but the but the dissemination of tape as well you know coaches film used to be something that only existed behind the scenes in the nfl and then you know game pass comes along and like between the access to coaches film and the access to analytics and and advanced statistics and all those kinds of things, it's really democratized football analysis, right? So that it it used to be something that you had to take people's word for inside the NFL. You had to take what a coach said as gospel or, you know, whoever it was that came out and gave interviews to media, whatever they said, you you were kind of stuck with it. You couldn't disagree too much because – they had better information than you did. You know, they had the tape and they had behind the scenes statistics and things you didn't have access to. And sure, you might be watching from the TV copy, but there was always that trump card of, well, we know more than you do, so be quiet. Now, everybody's working from the same information. They're all using the same data. They're all using the same tape. And, you know, some random guy on Twitter's opinion it might not be as valid as, you know, a 25-year NFL defensive coach, but if he says something and backs it up with tape and numbers, you you have to take it seriously. And and sort of that has, I think, changed the conversation again because these guys can't just say things in front of a microphone and not be called on them anymore.
0: Ugh, the beauty of it. I really love it. I really do. But it also sometimes is a little bit overwhelming. I feel like sometimes we get so much out there that does become a lot. And you try to... Try your best to stay on top of things. And and you do a really good job of that. If you follow Sam on Twitter, I feel like you do a really good job of encompassing like everything going on in the league and, and keeping up with it. And um and so in the spirit of that, I was wondering, did you have you happened to catch quarterback this offseason. I know we had the time to binge it. I
1: binged it for sure. But uh, did, did you get a chance to catch it? Yeah, I did. I, I watched it through. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting. I was pretty mm-hmm. fascinated by it.
0: What do you think of Kirk? Are you a Kirk Cousins
1: fan? Um, I thought he was really fascinating. Um, he he continued that kind of bland exterior that we've known Kirk Cousins for over the last few years. Like uh, He's not a particularly interesting Person and what he says or or what he um, does on a a day-to-day basis, but you got a glimpse into how much work he puts in to be as good as he is, and you also kind of got reminded of just how good he is. Like the Kirk Cousins narrative tends to focus on what he's not, and you know he's not Patrick Mahomes, and he's not one of the very, very best quarterbacks in the NFL. He won't go to the Hall of Fame. These kinds of things, and that's been become the narrative of Kirk Cousins, or can he win a Super Bowl? you know, all those kinds of things. But when you start to see it broken down on a day to day basis, you're reminded of just how good he is to be, you know, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and how much work goes into doing that and how much preparation and, you know, guys working on his body and, you know, him deliberately sort of training his own mind in terms of focus and all these kinds of things, you know, there might not be anybody in the NFL, Squeezing as much out of his talent as Kirk Cousins is. And that, to me, was really fascinating. It sort of, you know, recentered the entire discussion about Kirk Cousins. And I think framed him in a really positive light.
2: I think the thing for me that, whether it was quarterback or even hard knocks and stuff, the thing I'm always drawn to the most is that behind-the-scenes information. And I think the best part of it for me is just knowing that you really, when they showcase The amount of hours, the amount of effort, kind of the structured nature for a lot of these guys to have to go through and just realize, um, you know, I I have uh, teachers in my family. And one of the things when Kirk was talking about, you know, I never understood athletes that said, I don't really have to be a good student. Just, you know, I just need to go play sports. And he's just like every single day I'm walking into a classroom having to figure out how to ace a final at the end of the week. You know, that those kind of pieces for something like this, whether it's quarterback, hard knocks, whatever those behind the scenes pieces and glimpses as to what is important to them, I think is what's most important. And, it's what I'm always looking for in those kind of shows.
1: Yeah. I mean, you really get an understanding of just how much um, information these guys have to deal with and just how much work mentally is part of that entire game.
0: I'm not going to lie to you. I sat back and I was like, I could never do this. Like in a million years, I can barely remember like my own phone number. Like, How am I going to remember like all these things that are happening so fast? Um, and, and I like the humanization of it all too. You know, I, I really liked that you got to see them in their normal lives and, and as normal People, I think probably my favorite moment was when he was sitting at the bonfire. Not just the not just the burnt sweatshirt, which I thought was really really uh, endearing, but when he was there with his like six year old son, and he just sits back. He's like, "Coop, this is a great way to end your day." I was like, "Man, this guy is just so normal. Like, what a dad what a dad thing to say. He talks to his son like he's a forty year old friend."
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kirk I Cousins know. really is is this incredibly sort of relatable, normal guy who, you know, in his day job is squeezing every last ounce of his talent that he can to try and be as good as guys like Patrick Mahomes and, you know, these other superstars.
0: For sure. Well, speaking of, I think there's a lot of expectations surrounding this team because of Kirk and, and JJ and a 13 win season defending NFC North champions. How do you view the Vikings coming into year two under Kevin O'Connell?
1: I think they're a really interesting team because last year it was a lot of just kind of continuing um, what the old regime had done. It didn't look like there were many significant deviations from the, the, the plan, and it was kind of more the same. But this offseason, I think for the first time, we're starting to see signs of them going in a different direction um, and, and what this new regime under Quasi under is going to be like. Um, I think that's really fascinating. For the first time, we're going to see this team move in a, a completely different direction. Um, and that I think has to be exciting because you know they got rid of the old regime for a reason. It, it kind of stalled out and it was it was producing reasonable results, but it wasn't taking them where they wanted to go. And we saw last season what simply a change in scheme can achieve, and now we're going to see what some of the adjustments in terms of personnel can achieve. so I think for the Vikings, that signal of a new direction is a really exciting thing this offseason.
2: I think one of the biggest changes that happened this offseason was the addition of Brian Flores and being able to, you know, kind of hand over the reins to him to, to revamp this defense that at times struggled last season. Um, how important do you think a guy like Brian Flores coming in with this uh, younger defense, especially this offseason, um, how much do you think Brian's going to be able to affect the type of play that we have on this defense this season?
1: yeah, there's a couple of things there. The first one is that there's there's data to say that if you have a struggling unit, simply change can um, make that group better. You know, simply change for change's sake can have a positive impact. So simply uh, putting in anybody as a new coordinator, I think would have made a material difference to this defense. Then you have Brian Flores, who isn't just bringing a new scheme but is bringing in almost a diametrically opposed scheme to the one that was being run last season. So now you start to ask the questions of, well, does this new scheme actually fit the personnel better than the group that was there before? And I think you can make that case, you know, certainly with guys like Andrew Booth, Jr. Corner, there are personnel, I think in this defense that are more naturally suited to a, a more man heavy system than, um, than, than the previous defense. And of course that's the third question on top of that is, Will Brian Flores maintain that kind of hyper-aggressive man coverage system that he's used previously, or will he go and and modify it a little bit and sort of head towards where the rest of the league has gone, which has been much more zone coverage? You know, a lot less man coverage than in previous seasons. And when Flores was running that defense before, the they were always at at the extreme end of man coverage anyway. They were already an outlier but now the league has shifted even more in the other direction towards zone. So I think overall, there's a lot of questions to be answered uh, this season for that defense, but I think generally it should be an improvement over what it was last year. And we just get to see how much.
0: Yeah. Good thing is, is I feel like a lot of fans are thinking there's really only one way to go when you've got this defense with the youth coming in and with a new coordinator that up is really the only way to go after last year. Uh, as we head into training camp next week, our players report next week. We start getting things going for back together Saturday welcoming our fans to Twin City Orthopedics Performance Center for training camp. What is another or maybe maybe just to round things out today? What is m um, one storyline that you maybe have not mentioned already that you are watching? for Vikings training camp this year?
1: Um, I think what that number two receiver uh, position looks like opposite uh, Justin Jefferson. Obviously, Jefferson is a superstar. Adam Thielen was an incredible receiver for the Vikings for for so many years. I think it started to slow down. They moved on from him. So now we get to see whether Jordan Addison hits the ground running and becomes that guy from day one, whether K.J. Osborne steps up into that role for uh, a period while Addison sort of adjusts. Um, or whether it becomes, you know, a little bit of a weakness for, for a period until one of those two things happens. So I think just sort of monitoring what that, what that guy opposite Jefferson, uh, looks like, uh, and whether or not that's going to be a big strength of this team going forward, whether the offseason moves have helped it or whether it's going to end up being a little bit of a weak spot for a time until one of the young guys can step up and man that spot.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much to Pro Football Focus's lead NFL analyst, Sam Monson, for being with us today on the podcast. Be sure to go check out his article right now, ranking the 50 best players for 2023. And give him a follow at PFF underscore Sam. Thanks again, Sam. We really appreciate you.
2: Thank you, Sam. Anytime, guys. Take it easy.
0: Again, a big thanks to Sam Monson for being our guest on the podcast this week. I feel like I can go ahead and tease this, Jay. Um, Next week's guest, we are really excited to have on the podcast because after a very long time here, I, I, I feel like that's the only way I could put it with the Vikings, Dennis Ryan yep, hung up the helmet. What do I don't know? You know, cause you know, he was the lead equipment services, director of equipment services. So lead equipment manager yeah. for ever.
2: Yeah. My, basically my entire life.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah. My entire
2: life. He, he, he came in as an intern, I believe in 1976 and I think he got the full-time gig in 78 or 79. Incredible. And so my entire life, Dennis Ryan was the equipment, one of the equipment managers for the entire team. So
0: big shoes to fill, but the guy to do it is Mike Parsons and he is going to be on our podcast next week. So excited to talk to him. He's had some stints in the NFL, but, um, He's already, I feel like, acclimated really well, and the staff loves him a lot, and so we're excited to have him on and talk to him about this opportunity and what he's looking most forward to and and all the, all the stuff. So Mike Parsons will be our guest next week uh, right before we kick off training camp.
2: Perfect timing. I right? Mean, those are the people that are in full go mode at this point as well with everybody getting ready to, to kick training camp off and just think of everything they have to do in the offseason just to try to inventory everything get everything ready make sure everybody's ready and, and when the, the rookies and everybody do show up yes this there was a transition period here with OTAs and, and minicamp and stuff like that but this is the go time this is the season and I'm sure when it comes to traveling on the road and everything else there's going to be a ton of stuff that they still are are getting ready and luckily for them a giant chunk of their staff are, are still here um, and so they kind of know the routine of what we did before but there's always a learning period for everybody And, um, you know, given the fact he's had experience, I'm sure they will pick up right where they left off.
0: Yes. Excited to talk to him. So be sure to tune in next week. If you haven't gotten your training camp tickets, that's also something we highly encourage you to do. Vikings.com backslash training camp. Come out to any of the practices beginning July 29th. There'll be two night practices. We'll also have joint practices. So... At least come out once during the month of August. It's going to be fun. There's a lot of fun activations planned and, you know, autographs and the kids' zone. There's just, it's a whole family affair.
2: I would highly suggest getting out here during those joint practices because those sessions will be probably some of the most intense periods of training camp, let alone forget the preseason games. Yeah, definitely not the games. Those joint. Practices are going to be basically are the games essentially because that's where your your number ones are going to be going against number ones uh, for those other teams. And I just I, I got a feeling knowing how everything went down with the 49ers last year with the Cardinals and Titans coming in here. You know, they're going to want to put their best foot forward, especially it, it, it's always great in camp when you don't have to hit your teammates. <laughs> you get a chance to, you know. That's com- when it
0: really kicks up.
2: Compete against somebody else. And so I just feel like if you are somebody who truly wants to kind of somewhat get an early glimpse as to where some of these different players are at, especially some of the rookies coming in, get your tickets, try to go to some of those joint sessions, and I think you guys will absolutely love it.
0: All right. Well, we'll wrap things up, Jay. But we'll like we said, we have a really exciting episode for you next week. Hope you enjoyed this one. And thanks for listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast.